everyone and welcome to our communion service this morning and it's it's really good to be back and i do mean that it is really brilliant to see everyone again and i uh, just want to thank you so much for your prayers and your kindness over the past weeks you know, we've received many food gifts uh, which has helped uh, with making feeding myself and feeding david who was sitting with his broken foot more bearable for Elaine. So thank you so much for your gifts and your support. Uh, and it's made me realize just how important it is to have a caring ministry within the church, but that it is a family. And then when someone is ill, then that others rally around and support and prayer is so important. I'd also like to thank Alvin Little, who's done beyond uh, what the expectations are often here. He's been tremendous support and John Honeyford, uh, who stepped in a couple of Sundays for me and been a great support, and Willis Cordner, and uh, also Billy Heintman, and Robert Lark, Tom Henry, and all those who have stepped in over the past few weeks uh, to take ventures that maybe I started off with, and they've been taking them on to the next stage. So it was, it was really comforting to come back and know that those things had kept on going and pro progressed without me being here, because I was worried about that. So thank you so much. I've got quite a few announcements here, so if you can bear with me. Uh, this year's final session for receiving boxes uh, for uh, Samaritan's Purse is Monday the 20th of November from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Uh, there'll be a Kirk session meeting in the vestibule of the church here, God willing, on Tuesday night. Um, that's half past seven. The prayer time this evening via Zoom at 7 p.m. Instead of the usual time of worship and prayer, uh, there'll be a prayer time. The sign-in details there on the order of service. We're sorry to have to tell you that the next Life Lounge on Sunday the 26th of November has had to be cancelled. Unfortunately, our resident bad waiting for Sophie is not available, and we'll be in touch about arrangements for 2024. On Sunday the 3rd of December, we'll be receiving gifts for the Vine Centre. Would you please note that we cannot take soft toys. Also, if you're bringing a gift, may we ask you to bring it unwrapped. And if you would prefer to give a monetary gift, that would be acceptable and appreciated. Announcement for the PW ladies, can we have all mission boxes returned by the end of November? If you don't have a mission box, but we'd like to donate, please place in an envelope with your name and mission donation just written on it. All boxes and envelopes can be given to Anne Fitzsimons. Uh, if you're looking for, this is longer than my sermon this morning. <laughs> if you're looking for something, who said hallelujah? <laughs> if you're looking for something to, uh, but to buy for someone for Christmas, uh, why not buy them some concert tickets? As you know, we're hosting the Belfast Community Gospel Choir on Saturday the 9th of March at 7 p.m. in Hamilton Road Presbyterian Church. And this will be a wonderful concert. The tickets are 18 pounds. And if you could please speak to Muriel Irvine or Kim Fitzsimons. And we have a new church telephone number. Uh, you have to get used to it. So on the order of service. And if you're contacting the office, please use this number. There's a big thank you also to all who contributed to the Harvest Gift Appeal. The total received to date is 3,065 without gift aid and approximately 3,700 with gift aid added on. 
and your continued generosity is very much appreciated. If you've not yet contributed and you'd like to, there's still time. Great news also is the Abana New Life Choir from Uganda are coming to us in February. Uh, in Sion, we had them a few years ago, and they are a total blessing. As well as singing, they'll be giving short testimonies, and I'm telling you, I can guarantee that your hearts will be bursting with love for these children um, when you meet them. So I'm going to hand over to Tom Henry. He's going to give you a few more details about that, and thanks to Tom, he's been progressing with that while I've been off. As, as Mark says, we're excited that the New Life Choir is coming in, in February. Uh, you may remember that they were with us six or seven years ago now. It seems a, uh, seems a long time ago, but they're coming back. If you don't remember, I've actually asked Chris to throw up a, a short video uh, just to remind you of what they do. We were greatly blessed when they were here the last time, uh, and Abana, who organized this, have asked me to ask you for two things, uh, because they obviously have to put things in place now, they have to plan ahead for February. The first one is a tall order, and I mean, it'll be all the congregations that they're visiting, all the places they're visiting will be asked the same question. If there if there would be anybody in the congregation who would be happy to act as chaperones during the time they're here, now, that is a tall order, but it may, there may be somebody who's maybe in a gap year or, or somebody who's retired and, and would like to, to spend time with the choir and basically go and look after them. There are 20 in the choir, and what they do is they put one chaperone for each two, two kids, and so they go with them around the province. We're the very first concert they'll have in February, and then they move on uh, to the north of the province and, and, and so on. So... Uh, if, if anybody feels that they could be a chaperone if they see me afterwards. The other thing uh, that we really want to ask is, um, and, and this is very, very easy for us, I think, is to offer accommodation for them on the night that they're here, which is Friday the 2nd of February. And really what they want is bed and breakfast. 
um, for, for the choir. So it would be a matter of, if anybody has a spare bed, uh, for the chaperone, they actually said, as far as the kids are concerned, the kids are more than happy with a, a, a mattress in the living room or anything like that. So it would be a matter of, on the 2nd of, of February, uh, after the concert's over, having them home for, for the night, and then they're off the next day again. So it would be bed and breakfast, if anybody can, can do that. And again, they've put a little video together for that, and it's, it's only about a minute. So if, if Chris wouldn't mind putting that up. If anybody ha could offer accommodation, or if anybody wanted to be a chaperone, if they see me, I'll, I'll pass their names on to Abana. Many thanks. going to sing and dance for you and tell you about Uganda. But we don't have anywhere to stay, so we need us family just for the few nights to give us the place we sleep. Don't worry, a mattress on the floor will be fine. To cook for us, to provide packed lunch, to help with the washing. To teach us about your country and teach us about your strange machines and why this one called. Will you be one of our host families? Thank you for your hospitality. See you soon. And tissues will be provided on the night. <laughs> Because I can guarantee that your hearts will connect with their hearts. They're the loveliest, most mannerly children. And can I encourage you, if you can, uh, accommodate one or two, because they'll just, they'll bless your hearts. You will be blessed. They're just so kind and loving and caring. You just want to adopt them, you know? So uh, if you can do that, that would be lovely. And you'll be blessed by it, I'm sure. So we're going to start our, our service now. Um, I'm going to read Joshua chapter 1, verses 2 and 9. Moses, my servant, is dead. Thankfully, that's not me. <laughs> now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Then verse 9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And the lovely thing about the Holy Spirit is in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was used. That he came on kings and prophets only for a temporary season, only for a time whenever they needed to do a particular specific work. But the Holy Spirit, when after Christ, when Christ sent the Holy Spirit, he comes to stay with us, to reside with us to be there in the good times and the bad times, to be in the times when we've got faith and be in the times when we've got doubt, to walk in the valleys as well as the mountains. Let's pray a minute. Father, we think of Psalm 5, verse 3, In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my requests before you and wait in expectation. 
May we just bring in quietness our own requests to the Lord um, this morning. Something maybe you're worried about, a family member, a job, something you're facing this week. Lay it before the Lord. Lord, we bring our church requests before you now. We pray, Lord, we thank you that you are in the center of this place. Lord, we want you to have the freedom to move in this place by your Holy Spirit, to move from heart to heart and seat to seat. Lord, we want to be open to what you have to say from your word. We want to be open to you touching us deep down, Lord, where words cannot go, but you touch us, Lord, through the worship. We invite you to do that this morning, Lord Jesus. And Lord, that we would feel your presence as we even leave and go home, that your presence goes with us, Lord, every step of the way. And Lord, we wait with that expectation that you are a God who is faithful and true and answers our prayers. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing of our Heavenly Father, how deep the Father's love for us.
by his wounds our sins are paid for. And that's what Billy's going to read for us now from Isaiah 53. Our reading is from Isaiah chapter 53, verses 1 to 6. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of the dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced, but he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray, each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Amen. Uh, the children in the Sunday Club, they're doing a little video for Christmas for us all, so that's where they are this morning. So we're not having a, a children's address, so, uh, but just to let you know that the family service will be next Sunday, uh, next Sunday morning. Okay, we're going to stand and we're going to sing uh, a Worthy is the Lamb. It's one of my favorite hymns. Um, I'm not sure that there's many people familiar with it, but we're going to have a go anyway. Uh, it's worthy as the lamb, and some of you might know it as thank you for the cross, Lord. So let's stand.
Now your offering will be received. Thank you. Father, you are the giver of all good things, and your word makes clear that every good and perfect gift comes from you. We ask that you accept these gifts and use them to your glory. May these gifts bring shelter to the homeless, comfort to the sick, rest to the weary, and hope to the hopeless. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. morning as we approach our prayers of intercession can we each take a moment just to bow our heads and thank God for why we're here and pray for fam family and friends let us pray Heavenly Father as we approach the end of another year we look back in gratitude and thankfulness for all the love and blessings that you have bestowed upon us, our church, and for the gift and sacrifice of your son, Jesus. Father, we lift up our prayers for all your people who are suffering the effects of conflict, terrorism, and persecution in all parts of the world. We continue to pray for the people of Ukraine, Russia, Israel, and Gaza, for we pray for the ceasefires and for peace so that they can all live in peace one with each other. But Lord, it's a big ask and we ask you to intercede on our behalf. We ask that outside countries will send aid and help to all those who have been displaced. There are many people seeking basic needs like shelter, food and clothing. And Lord, we ask for your our prayers for help for all those in our own country, our own neighbours whose homes and businesses have been ravaged by the bad weather and floods. And coming up to the festive period, they all need our prayers and help. And Heavenly Father, through the gift of your Son Jesus, we pray for our church here in Ballycrocken, 
in our two neighboring churches who had a great meeting last week, that our roles that we have in the wider community around us will be noticed, that people will see we are a church of God. And thank you for those who work so hard to support your people in this area. We pray for our coming Christmas events, the tree, the carol services. And that we pray you will bless the children of Kilmaine Schoon as they perform their carol services in our church on the 12th and 13th of December. Finally, Lord, we pray for ourselves as we take communion with you today and as we leave this place today and go into the week ahead that we may feel your presence with us in all that we do, safe in the knowledge that you love us. So, Heavenly Father, I accept all these prayers in the precious name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Then now to come and uh, no sorry sorry we're going to sing uh, be still for the presence of the Lord just settle our hearts before we come to the word of God let's stand The reading is from Ezekiel chapter 36, 
verses 24 to 26, and then 36, sorry, 33 to 36. Ezekiel chapter 36. For I will take from you from among the nations, I will gather you out of all countries and bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Thus says the Lord God, on the day that I cleanse you from all your iniquities, I will also enable you to dwell in the cities and the ruins shall be rebuilt. The desolate land shall be tilled instead of lying desolate in the sight of all who pass by. So they will say, this land that was desolate has become like the Garden of Eden and the wasted, desolate and ruined cities are now fortified and inhabited. Then the nations which are left all around you shall know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt the ruined places and planted what was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken it, and I will do it. Amen. Um, thank you. Jerusalem back in 586 BC. They're similar to what we've seen on our TV screens uh, over the last weeks. And we've watched the news, um, particularly scenes in Gaza, uh, scenes of desolation. What were once towns that were pulsating with life are now just piles of rubble. And the screams and the cries of grief they carry through the city. Back in 586 BC, Babylon hit Judah, especially Jerusalem, really hard. Jerusalem being on a hill had always been difficult to actually overthrow, but there were weaknesses in the walls. The security of the city had been allowed to fall into disrepair, and more seriously, the people of God had forgotten God. And Babylon entered with a massive army, and we're told in the book of Daniel that many Israelis were captured and taken back to Babylon. And it sounds incredibly familiar. The captors were instructed to get young men, good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, fast learners. They were told to bring them back to the king, to put them in the king's service, to train them in the king's service. Soon the holy city lay in ruins. The walls were in ruins. Homes were in ruins. The temple was totally destroyed and the agony, the pain of it all. And if you watch on your screen, I've been doing so the last number of weeks, the, the women and fathers and mothers that have been screaming in desperation, just wanting a ceasefire, wanting the fighting to stop, feeling that nowhere is safe for them to go. You know, I suspect there are similar scenes back then, 586 B.C., Babylon crushed Jerusalem. 
And the prophet Ezekiel, who we're looking briefly, very briefly this morning at, he foretold this event. He said God had directed Ezekiel to perform some, some very weird actions, prophetic actions at different times. And he was giving warnings to the people again and again and again, if you don't turn from your sin, if you don't sacrifice and if you don't stop sacrificing to other idols, the judgment of God is coming, but now the judgment of God has come. And the wrath of God is upon them. In verses 21 to 23, um, and that's three verses prior to what Evelyn read, God uses the word profaned on four occasions. You know, in Hebrew, whenever a word is repeated, it means that you have to sit up and listen because this is something really to be emphasized. And we're told that God's name has been profaned. And again and again and again, we're told that. And, uh, but the names of God, they're more than just a title. They're more than just a title like Joe or Fred or Sandra. They're titles which express the character of God. So if you have we look, just there's a number of names there that I've put up on the screen of the Old Testament, God's names. And I'm not going to go into them all, but basically they signify that God is ever with us. I am. He's ever faithful. He's ever powerful. He's sovereign over all. He's the creator of the universe. He's righteous beyond anyone. He is mighty in power. He's our provider. He looks after us. And now that a nation such as Babylon has come in and it's taken captive many from Jerusalem, it basically undermines all of that. Where is your God now? It makes God look a disgrace. This is your God, and he lets you be taken by another nation. What kind of God have you? So in Ezekiel 3, God refers to the, the very hardness and the stubbornness of man's hearts, the rebelliousness of his hearts towards him. And God is deeply hurt. And I want you to get, this is what I want you to get more than anything this morning. God is deeply hurt. You know, it's something that we don't often contemplate, that God feels pain. When we think of the pain of God, we tend to think of the cross. Our minds tend to focus on what Jesus went through on the cross. But how many scars did God have before the cross ever came? How many emotional scars when his people stabbed him in the back, turned away, sacrificed other idols? And, and God has basically been going, listen, I've given you this land. I have blessed you. You are my people. You're the apple of my eye. And the people of God keep throwing it back at his face again and again and again. And God is hurt, massively hurt, again and again and again. How many scars did he have before he actually got to the cross? In Ezekiel chapter 6, verse 9, God says, we're told they will recognize how hurt I am by their own faithful hearts. You've profaned my name. And that, in the Hebrew, profaned, it can also be translated wounded. I've been wounded. Again, I've been wounded many times. And God is hurt. You know, I've given you so much, but you've thrown it back in my face. You have disrespected who I am. You have dishonored who I am. You have blackened my name. You've given the wrong impression of who I am. 
The plan of making the Hebrew people God's special people, a godly nation, a light to the nations, a light to bring others to God, it's totally failed. Israel, which should be demonstrating the holiness of God to all mankind, has instead brought disgrace to his holy name. And here's the challenge for us. How we live as Christians doesn't just reflect on us, but it reflects on the God that we claim to serve. It reflects on him. Peter writes quotes from the Old Testament, be holy for I am holy. How we live reflects on, on God. You know, sin is our greatest enemy. Sin is the Babylon of our lives, if you like. Whether we want to recognize it or not, it leaves destruction in its path. It leaves destruction. It leaves us broken. It leaves us downtrodden. It leaves us hurt. It leaves us discouraged. It leaves us guilt-ridden. You know, what was once beautiful in our lives, sin is happy to destroy. It's happy to wreck. It's happy to leave nothing but rubble like, the, the, like Jerusalem was led in those days. It promises us so much. It is so attractive. It is so incredibly attractive. But it delivers us only heartache and pain and separation from God. Sin's our greatest enemy, and it touches every part of our being. You know, I struggle with sin. I'm sure you struggle with sin. Um, and indeed, Paul did. Paul writes, he says, what I want to do, I do not do. What I hate, I do. The things I want to do, I know are good. I fail to do them. And the very things that I know aren't good and that displease God, those I do. He struggles. We struggle with sin. Sin is our greatest enemy. And I'm sure, like I've let God down many times, and I'm sure that there are many of us here who have on occasions um, even lost our witness to non-Christian friends because of how we've lived our lives, because of sin in our lives. You know, if that's what Christianity is, I don't want anything to do with it. I'm sure you've heard that phrase before. And that was the situation with the people of God. Look at the people of God. They have profaned my name, God says. You have hurt me. You have wounded me. You have disrespected me. You, have dis you haven't represented me the way I wanted you to and I'm hurt. Now, I'm sure at this point, the people of God feel like saying to Ezekiel, Ezekiel, behind this cloud, is there a silver lining? Ezekiel, is there hope? Please speak to us of hope, Ezekiel. Speak to us of forgiveness, of redemption. Speak to us, Ezekiel, of God's grace, of God's goodness. Speak to us, Ezekiel, of a future. Do we have a future with God, or have we messed it up completely? And God, speaking through Ezekiel, begins to unravel what he plans to do in order, and we're told primarily to set things right, primarily to glorify his name among the nations again, primarily to undo what they have done as they've misrepresented God it's to let people and the other nations see who I truly am. So God puts a plan in place for that main reason. 
But such a plan, such a plan, it will be uh, so incredible that it will be God's greatest miracle ever. It will be God doing something in our lives which is everlasting and eternal and precious for us. God is about to do the greatest miracle that has, uh, he has ever done. God's greatest gift to man. But listen to this, it can't be based on man's faithfulness because of man's sickly, unfaithful nature. And it can't be based on man's righteousness because man's righteousness is no righteousness at all. And it can't be based upon man's obedience because man's nature draws him into crippling disobedience. It has to be all on God's shoulders. It can't be on man's shoulders. Man is untrustworthy. And this will be God's greatest miracle and God's greatest gift to us, the radical inner transformation of men and women, changing a man or changing a woman's heart. The most difficult thing to do. But God is saying here, that's what I'm going to do. And so he says, I will sprinkle clean water on you. In other words, I'm going to give you all the forgiveness that you need. That's where we'll start. He says, I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit within you. He says, I will take the heart of stone that is hard, and I'll give you a heart of flesh. He says, I will put my spirit, my spirit within you. This is a radical heart surgery. It involves forgiveness, and the old stony hearts will be replaced with new living hearts, and the old stubborn spirits would be replaced with God's life-giving spirit. There will be a built-in sensitivity to God. This is what's coming. This is the package. God would creatively endow his people with a new heart, which would be sensitive to him, rather than a stony and hard heart that doesn't listen. There would be a new impulse to live for God with enthusiasm and zeal and with a love for Him that would come from the very heart of God Himself. The temple is in ruins. Your home's in ruins. The wall's in ruins. But the new temple, the new dwelling place of my spirit will be in your very soul, in your very inner being. Now, surely this is what Paul speaks of when he says in his visions 4.24, put off the old man, put on the new. And that new man, it's not the old man improved or dry clean, it's the, a new man, a new nature that God will impart and does impart to us the moment we are born again, the moment we surrender our lives to Jesus Christ a new heart, a new spirit, a new man. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, writes Paul, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. God's Spirit comes to take within us his permanent residence. He's with us in the good times and the bad times, when we have faith, when we doubt, on the hills and the valleys, in the A&E ward, in the chemotherapy ward, 
He's with us. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. The temple lies in ruins, but the new temple will be the temple of your soul, and you will carry the Holy Spirit everywhere with you, and he'll be with you even on your deathbed as you enter into the presence of God. I will put my spirit within you. This is how I am going to help you to obey my commands and live for me with a passion, with a zeal. It won't be on your own strength. It won't be on your own ability. It will be because I put my spirit in you. And he says, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. From your head to your heart, I'll put it in the heart and you'll walk as a result of it. You'll walk before me and upright before me. You know, John tells us in his first letter, he says, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. And really, down, that's a very good way of describing redemption. That's what our redemption is, to do undo what sin has done, to restore God's image in us, to undo what sin has done. Of course, he, he does this not just to restore his reputation, it's not just a case of God looking good to all the nations. Again, it goes much deeper than that. His plan to restore his image in us is stained in blood, is splattered with blood in his own son's blood. Redemption's about undoing what sin has done. Sin is our greatest enemy. What it does to us, it leaves us bruised. You know, a physical bruise, it's, it's formed on the body as a result of an injury. And, uh, and as blood leaks out and it gets trapped underneath the skin, it's nowhere to go, so the bruise forms. But the bruise needs to be drawn out. And one way to do it is like an ice pack or a pack of old frozen peas. And it gradually allows the blood to run free and it clears the bruise. In Isaiah 53, 5, we're told that Christ was bruised for our iniquities. By his stripes, by those whiplashes on his back, we are healed, we are clean. He undoes what sin has done. And when you come to Christ, he begins to draw out those bruises which sin has caused. He begins to undo what sin has done in your life. He starts with your salvation, but that's only the start. We look at the thief on the cross. I don't believe in luck, but this was an incredibly lucky man. He was on his way to hell. And suddenly, Christ beside him, then he's on his way to the kingdom of heaven. But that's just the start. That's God starts. When you give your life to Christ, God starts to draw out the bruises, to draw out the poison that has been brought into, sin, into your life from sin, the pain and the heartache that's been brought by it. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. You know, just in closing, Paul writes, as I quoted earlier from Romans 17, verse 5, he says, What I want to do, I do not do. What I hate, I do. I'm frustrated because I really want to serve God and I end up doing the things I don't want to do and I end up doing the things I, that I, that I end up not doing the things that I want to do. And, uh, and I just... I find it so hard. You can hear the frustration in Paul's voice as he writes those words. He, he, he says uh, at verse 24, What a wretched man I am! Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? What? What am I going to do? But then, with joy, 
he writes his next sentence. He answers his own question. He says, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. You know, when we surrender to the power of Christ's Spirit within us, when we surrender to him, he gives us the resources that we need to overcome. And that's what he prophesied, Ezekiel prophesied, I will put my spirit within you, and I will cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments and do them. New heart, a new spirit, a new man, a new woman. God's greatest miracle, to change the human heart by his indwelling presence. Paul writes, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? That's the new temple. The old temple's in ruins. Receive Christ. Receive his spirit within you. And that's the new temple for him to live and work with you, in you, be by your side every step of life. We're going to, just as we prepare for come around the Lord's table, we're going to prepare our hearts by just listening to a, a song called Behold the Lamb by Stuart Townsend. Oh, 
Ballycrocken Presbyterian Church, if you've given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, are seeking to live for him, you're very, very welcome around the Lord's table this morning. Um, take this fancy suit away, and you're left with a sinner saved by grace. Take the grace away, you're just left with a sinner. So I thank God for his grace for me. Um, and Ezekiel, uh, we bet later on, like Evelyn was reading, on the day that I cleanse you from all your iniquities, the day I cleanse you, forgive you, I will also enable you to dwell in the cities and the ruins shall be rebuilt. And many people today, they look at the Christian person, they think uh, that they're a sad old soul, that they're isolated, uh, that you, when you become a Christian, you're away from the parties and you're away from the crowds and the fun and all that's out there. And that's how the world tends to think of us as, as Christians, a life of isolation. But when we trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, we're brought into a family. We have fellowship with one another because of who resides in here. Uh, and it's a deeper fellowship that can be found anywhere outside. Uh, a lot of years ago, I was in Malawi for two months, and I, 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 had, I had to go to a wee place, a wee village called Bamba, now, the buses didn't go there, trains didn't go there, uh, cars didn't go there. I needed to go on the back of a motorbike. And uh, away into the heart of Malawi, and we sat down for tea, and his wife had boiled these wee potatoes for me, especially for me. She'd got them from the market, and uh, she told me that she'd ordered them specially, that they were cumber potatoes from Ireland. <laughs> and I said to her, well, I live up the road from cumber, but so far away, in the heart of Malawi, and yet I can call the Reverend Mchenga and his wife my brother and sister in Christ because they are my brother and sister in Christ because of who resides in here. And of course, Ezekiel's prophecy is of a new city, of a new people, of a new fellowship that points beyond uh, even to support John's vision in Revelation 21. You know, their old, their old Jerusalem is flattened. And John writes, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, 
and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now God's presence is with his people and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there'll be no more sorrow, no more death, no more crying, no more pain because all the old ways are gone. And finally, our bruises that have come from sin beating us in our lives, those bruises are finally drawn out. The new city, this heavenly kingdom, this new city is going to be wonderful. You know, I'm not looking forward to gold pavements or all the fancy stuff or whatever's up there. What makes heaven heaven is because Jesus Christ is there. That's what makes heaven heaven. That's our new city. And we'll be worshiping him one day. Now we see through a glass darkly, but then we will see him face to face. Face to face. First Corinthians 11, verse 23 to 29, says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus, on the same night he was betrayed, he took bread. When he gave thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do, it whenever, do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. Let's pray. Lord, we want to thank you thank you for your love. We want to thank you for the bread and the wine that represent the agony on the cross. But we want to thank you for the agony that you've been through leading up to the cross, generation after generation rejecting you, hurting you, throwing back the goodness that you've given to them, throwing it back in your face again and again and again. And Lord, we recognize that we are sinners. And Lord, we recognize that sin has damaged us, that sin has bruised us. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that over time, move by your Spirit within us. Lord, remove those bruises, draw out those bruises, redeem us, undo what sin has done in our lives. Give us pure hearts. Give us a new spirit. And Lord, we thank you for your presence with us as we give our lives to you. Lord, be with us this morning. Come and meet with us. Meet with each person here individually. Put something on their heart, a word of encouragement, a blessing. Give them hugs from you, Father, if that's what they need. In Jesus' name, amen. I receive from the Lord, uh, that's which I also uh, pass on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, 
he took bread, and when he gave thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. This do in remembrance of me. Let's eat together. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's drink together. Let's stand and worship God with there is our Redeemer, Jesus, God's own Son.
May Christ dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in his love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth of the love of God, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the very fullness of God. Amen.